This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan, your host. Our goal and mission at Parent Footprint is to create a more loving world with more compassionate people, one parent and one child at a time. The way we do this is that we raise happy, healthy, engaged, and aware kids. And the way we do that is for us adults, us parents, to focus on our health, our happiness our engagement, and our awareness in our own lives so we can be the person we want our kids to become. We firmly believe that awareness and having this awareness is the foundation of creating a vision of your successful parenting so you can leave a legacy of love for your children and your grandchildren. Today, our show is called How to Raise a Girl with a Healthy Body Image, and I'm really pleased to introduce you to our guest, Jen Lumenlun. Jen is a parent of a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter and the host of your Parenting Mojo podcast, which is a reference guide for parents of toddlers and preschoolers based on scientific research and the principles of respectful parenting. She never planned to be a parent, but is on this journey by choice rather than by accident. And when she realized she had no parenting instinct whatsoever, she decided to get a master's degree in psychology so she could figure out how to do this parenting thing right. She's finishing up another master's in education, and she's looking forward to helping parents think through how child development intersects with education. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Tell us how, just tell us about your journey. First of all, your journey on this road of parenting and then how it led so personal for you about uh, raising a girl with uh, a healthy body image. Yeah, the parenting thing has been quite a journey because I never thought I would be one. <laughs> so, and yet somehow here we are. I actually did plan it. Uh, it wasn't a surprise, um, but it was something that my husband always wanted to do. And I decided that I didn't want to be responsible for the biggest disappointment of his life. So I eventually <laughs> figured, okay, we're going to do this thing then. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I became a parent and had, you know, some. Uh, issues around parenting, as we all do, and yes. realized that really I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Uh, but I have good research skills, and I love to read, and I love to learn. And so I realized that this was a solvable problem, and that I could use my research skills and my love of learning to help me become a better parent. So, well, that's 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 awesome because so that just shows. I just want to like wisdom and maturity because just to have that awareness that 
I don't know what I'm doing and this is a really important <laughs> job, right? I think most of us just kind of like launch in and we know that what we usually do is what we experienced either exactly or the we try to do the opposite. But you tried mm-hmm. to take a more measured, thoughtful, even research-based approach to figuring out what we think is the most important job that we all have. I try, yes. <laughs> and so this particular topic had been on my mind for a long time. My mother died when I was 10, and she actually literally starved herself to death. Mm. So uh, this is something that's been in my life for a long time. And, you know, I've struggled with my own body image over the years. And so I knew that I needed to do something about this, and I didn't Mm -hmm. really know what it was. And so my daughter is three and a half now, and so I started thinking about this seriously several months ago, and she was just starting to get to the age where she was saying things were beautiful. You know, this necklace is beautiful, Mom. I I made it for you. And so I put out a call for questions to my listeners saying, you know, what are you curious about? What do you struggle with? And I just got inundated with questions Mm -hmm. from people who are in the same boat. They want to know how to handle this. And so I looked around to see who's doing great research on it. And I read Dr. Renee and Gellin's book. It's called Beauty Sick. And I immediately knew that I had to get her on the show. She's just done so much work looking at what shapes the view of of how we see our bodies and how we can be a little kinder towards ourselves (laughs) Mm -hmm. as we're looking at our bodies and how we can help our children to do that too. So tell us, tell us, what are these pearls? (laughs) Yeah. So I guess to start with what I'd been doing up until that point I guess I'd sort of been fumbling along, much as we all do, uh, because Mm -hmm. I hadn't yet done an episode on it. And that's usually when I determine my vision for how I'm going to handle a particular issue. And I would probably say that I'm a bit different from a lot of women in that I really don't spend a lot of time looking at myself. So I've actually never had a manicure and I've never even used nail polish. (laughs) I, I don't wear any makeup. I didn't wear any makeup on my wedding day, so I certainly don't use it every day. And I wore athleisure clothes every day before athleisure was even a thing. So <laughs> <laughs> you're trendsetting. So, yes, I am a, a trendsetter yeah, in that yeah. regard for sure. So I sort of decided on approach without really understanding it fully. I, I decided I never wanted to tell my daughter that she was pretty or beautiful. And I use a parenting philosophy in which I try not to pass judgment on things that she says or does. And so that seemed to be sort of a natural extension of what I was already doing. So Mm -hmm. my overall approach was sort of a just don't acknowledge it approach. (laughs) But I didn't really know if that was right, because I did an episode on racism a while back. And my approach to that was much the same. If we just don't talk about it, then she won't grow up to be racist. And what I found when I did the episode was that research shows that white parents who just don't talk to their children about race have discovered about the most effective way of raising racist children. (laughs) Really? Wow. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, Because the children don't have any information then about what the parents think about race. And very early on, they they start to put people into different groups and they think, okay, well, this person looks like me and I know I'm a good person and that person doesn't look like me and therefore they must not be such a good person or not as good as I am. And so that's how children start to generate their ideas about race. And so in the absence Mm -hmm. of hearing anything to the contrary from parents, they start to head down this path uh, very early of of developing biases. So, you know, I had had sort of landed on this approach of not saying anything, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I didn't really know if it was the right one. So 
when I talked to Dr. Angelon, I was grateful and somewhat surprised to find out that I was mostly on the right track. And she told me that when parents ask her how often they should tell their daughter that she's pretty, she says there's no magic number, but probably less often than you say it right now is the right answer. Hmm. So for anyone who is telling their daughter that they're pretty or beautiful or you know using compliments like that, particularly if you're doing it on a regular basis, <laughs> mm-hmm. her response would be, you probably want to do that less than you're doing it right now. Okay. So I'm, so I'm taking inventory here. I have uh, two, two girls, two teenagers. So uh-huh. um, I'm thinking about what do we say to them? And mm-hmm. I think the thing that comes to my mind often is if they're, you know, showing us what they're wearing and they're getting ready to go out and they walk in and we say, oh, hey, sweetie, you look you look nice. Or, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I'm actually wondering is, oh, you're looking good. You look nice. Is that different than you're pretty, you're beautiful? I It's probably a little bit different, but I think it's, you could do better, Dr. Dan. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Please help me. Help me do yeah, better. Yeah. So, so I think you know I don't have teenagers yet. Thank goodness. I've I've got yeah. some research to do before I get there. So <laughs> I was You've worried about what to say. That thank you. That that first time when my daughter says, "Am I pretty?" And uh, Dr. Engelen said that when do- our daughters start to ask us that question, we should answer with something like, "Oh, do you think being pretty is important?" And mm. seeing what she says. And then maybe the next time it comes up, because it'll probably come up again if you know toddlers, you get the same questions over and over again. Then you could say something like, of course, I think you're pretty, but I don't think it matters that much. And here are some things that I think that matter. So I think it's important that you try new things. And I think it's important that uh, you're kind to people and, you know, just give her some ideas for things that matter more. Mm-hmm. And and so my daughter has now asked me that a couple of times. She, she, thank goodness, asked me these things right after I do an episode on it. I did an episode on death. She asked me about death a week later. <laughs> She's intuitive. Yes, yes, she is. She knows or what's you, going and on. Or you are. You're intuitive, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. so. And so I try and think of these new great qualities each time so that she can see that there are so many other things that are more important than being pretty. And mm-hmm. so to translate that to your teenagers, I guess what I would say would be, you know, yeah, I, I wouldn't come out and say, you know, you look great. I think you're pretty. But more of a, oh, that dress really looks good on you. Or if you feel the need to say something about their appearance, or if they come to you and ask, you know, how does this look? You could say, it looks good on you. Your legs look so strong. Ah, and actually, you know, that's what we get the most. How does this look? What do you think of this? How do Mm -hmm. I look in this? Right. So, yeah, that's that's very helpful. And I like how you said your legs look strong, right? Mm -hmm. It's not your legs look nice and thin, right? Like, (laughs) which is just a trap to which we'll talk about soon of yes. all the, you know, the not helpful messages that our um, culture is giving yes, to women Yes, there and are girls. many of those, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, and at some point, someone is going to say to her, you're fat or you're ugly. Right. And we parents have to figure out how to comfort a girl who's going through that. And so I, I don't know if it's the same for dads, because I'm not a dad, but for, for being a woman who grew up in mm-hmm. England, which is similar enough to the U.S. <laughs> to mm-hmm. culturally, that, you know, there, there is pain associated with that. And it is hard to be a woman in this culture, and it hurts sometimes. 
And so Dr. Angelin actually did a study where she had asked women what their mothers had said to them when somebody had said to them when they were children, you know, the, the children were now adults, but when somebody had said to the children, you're fat, you're ugly. And the majority of mothers, of course, said, don't be silly, of course, you're beautiful. And some of the mothers said, okay, let's go on a diet together. Oh. But the daughters said that they didn't they didn't want that reassurance. They wanted to be asked questions and they wanted to say they wanted their mothers to say, you know, let's look at who has hurt you and why they hurt you. Because we we sort of I think we have this tendency to think we just want to make it better. I, I don't yeah, want yes. my daughter to hurt in the same way that I have hurt. And so I'm just going to stick this Band-Aid on it and say, don't be silly. Of course, you're beautiful. And what she found was that's not what our daughters want. They want a deeper connection with us than that. And they want us to try and give them a secure foundation so that when somebody does come and say, you're fat, you're ugly, they don't get knocked down by those hits that they're going to have to take in their lives. Mm-hmm. So for, for parents of young children like you have, um, when the first time when they say, um, am I pretty? Am I mm-hmm. beautiful? Am I fat? Am I thin? Could you just state again, real, cause I, we're all about simplicity here, right? Because mm-hmm. we live in crazy, <laughs> crazy complex times. Yeah. What is the approach to that at first initial question? Yeah. I always go back to actually an episode I did with a sex educator on that topic. When mm-hmm. you get the first question, uh, you might, Mama, where do babies come from? Or, <laughs> right, or right. there are a whole bunch of questions that are <laughs> even more difficult than that one. But the, your first response should be, oh, why do you want to know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, that gives you time to think. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and yes. it helps you understand why they're interested. And so uh, once you figure out why they're interested, then that helps you frame your response better. And then you can uh, come in with your response and say, you know, do you think it, being pretty is important? And then mm-hmm. if it keeps coming up, then you can say, of course, I think you're pretty. Um, but here are other things that I think are more important. And then what I personally try and do is to vary that list over and Mm -hmm. over and she's only asked me two or three times now and I assume it's going to come up again in the future but it seems to have gone away as an issue for right now because she seems to have taken for the moment my point that there are more important things than being pretty and and you said something well several really important things but one thing I want to highlight there and just and and confirm you said of course you're pretty and and then Mm -hmm. you went with all of the other messages and so so it is important because we know that pretty means uh, and beautiful means several things. We want our kids to feel beautiful on the inside. It's not just mm-hmm. about their looks. So you do validate that beauty in them, and then you weave a tapestry of the other yeah. other um, characteristics you want them to be thinking about. Yeah, because you don't want them to be evaluating themselves just in terms of how beautiful they are. And so that's what you do by by not mentioning it unless they mention it <laughs> mm-hmm. you're making it something that is not a criteria that's important in their lives mm-hmm. so you will be doing lots of research in um in your future about you know and i'm sure already have started about the images that our kids as they become more and more exposed to culture through magazines and tv mm-hmm. and social media to say it's inundating is is it right is an under is an understatement. I mean, it For is sure. so pervasive. Uh, I would say to a point that I had a a client of mine who I've known a very long time and has a very strong, stable 
image um, of herself. And she, and she's a, she's a young adult now, she found over time when she started to really work on her health and her fitness um, in a very healthy way that her, on her search engines, all of a sudden, because of some of the sites she was going on, over time, all of these images kept coming up about skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. And before long, she found herself evaluating herself in a way that she hadn't done in a long, long time, which started to lead to some unhealthy behaviors that she fortunately had enough awareness to pull herself out of. But it was so insidious. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess I'm. what do you say to girls and women about how mm-hmm. to to stand up to this? Yeah. I think media literacy, which is what the term for understanding these images and, and sort of taking a proactive approach to them is is one of three things that you can really do to differently to try and insulate our daughters a little bit from from these messages. So um, so teaching media literacy is absolutely important. Teaching girls to look at a scantily dressed woman in a magazine articles uh, where it says you know, 10 ways to make your thighs thinner, <laughs> then right. absolutely question who benefits from selling you these images. So, um, you know, when your daughter brings this article to you, you could say something like, oh, I wonder why her thighs are so thin and just start mm-hmm. a conversation about that. But the, the, re- the really critical part that the research shows that I was really surprised by is that this is not going to solve our problems. Just understanding mm-hmm. that these issue that these images are airbrushed and that they aren't real is not going to solve these problems. So there's there's research out there that shows that you if you give these obviously airbrushed p- p- pictures to women um, who and you, and you ask them to look at them and just mm-hmm. say, what, what do you see when you see this? And so women would say, oh, she's totally airbrushed or that isn't healthy. Just go and get something to eat. <laughs> and then a few lines down in their critique, they would say, I wish I looked like that. Hmm. I wish my thighs were that thin or something like that. So just knowing that it's not real doesn't mean that women don't want their bodies to be like that. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, the questioning is important, and uh, we should we should teach our daughters to question. But that's not all that we can or should be doing. And so I think the second major component of this is focusing on your body's function and not its form. Mm, I like that. And so you know, some of us have more physical abilities than others. I like to go hiking and backpacking, and I know that I feel most kind of whole in myself when I'm on a backpacking trip. And maybe, maybe it's something to do with not having seen these images for for Mm -hmm. 10 days, Mm -hmm. but uh, we all have things that our bodies can do for us. Our arms hug our children. And if our legs can't help us climb mountains, maybe they just chase our kids around the garden. And all of these things are more important than whether there's a gap between our thighs or not. Function versus form. Yeah. Right. And then so the words are really important, right? You you mentioned strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like are the adjectives are really important about the messages we're giving our kids. You you look yeah. strong. What are some others that you can offer? Your body is capable of doing so many things. You're able to run so fast. I mean, it's mm-hmm. whatever your child is interested in doing, basically, I would tie it back to. Um mm-hmm. 
you can jump around there there's whatever whatever there is the child is doing right now you can dance in circles <laughs> mm-hmm. um just just bring it back to the child's interest and and help them to see that it's their body's strengths and abilities that help them to do those things and it doesn't matter whether or not there's a gap between their thighs for those things to happen and what about this one i look i am ugly i look so ugly (laughs) yeah so i i learned in the course of doing this research that there's a a thing called fat talk Mm-hmm. And so fr- from what I understand, and I was a pretty introverted college kid and I had an untypical college experience, so I haven't experienced this myself. But if you imagine, you know, a college girl sitting waiting for a lecture to start and another one walks in and the first one says, oh, I'm so fat. Yes. <laughs> or, oh, I'm so ugly. And the second one says, are you kidding? Look at me. <laughs> and so yep. they just start on this, you know, my, my, have you seen this fat roll over my skirt or what, whatever it is? And they just start this, you know, downward spiral of talk about how fat or ugly they are. And so from what I understand, that also can happen among adult women as well. And so, um, firstly, I would say, don't let your children hear you speak like that mm-hmm. <laughs> or think like that. And if your child does come to you and say, I'm so ugly, or somebody says that I'm ugly, then it's sort of going back to what we talked about, about, you know, understanding why they think that and who it is that has made them feel that way, what it is that has made them feel that way, what that person stands to benefit from making us feel that way. Maybe it's a magazine article of some amazingly airbrushed women and they're trying to sell us deodorant or makeup or whatever it is, mm-hmm. because that, that's why these images are made of perfect women so that I know I don't look like them. And therefore, if I buy that product, mm-hmm. maybe I will look more like them. <laughs> so these entire industries are based on making women feel bad about themselves. Mm -hmm. So if that's the source, then yes, that's where the media literacy comes into play. If it's somebody who said to my daughter, you know, you're so ugly, then why did that person say that? Is it is it just that they were frustrated? You know, if you're talking about five year olds, was that were they frustrated because you took their toy away? (laughs) Mm -hmm. If they're older than that, do they really think you're ugly? Or was there something else going on? And that was just the handiest thing that they had at the time to say. So Mm -hmm. I I think, again, it goes back to being willing to really go beyond just putting the Band-Aid on and, and the, oh, of course you're pretty. I, don't worry about it. They don't know what they're talking about. To mm-hmm. really deeply trying to understand the issues at play. And I'm, I'm now thinking of another experience that, that we're having with, um, there's some very popular, and uh, one in particular, uh, young ladies, uh, teenagers, and, young, and ladies clothes brands, which are reducing the sizes so Mm -hmm. if you were an extra small you're a small if Mm -hmm. you're a small now you're a medium if you're medium you're it and i'm hearing and seeing how that experience of trying on these clothes is affecting the images of lots of um young ladies that i know right so it's it's coming at all at all angles yep for sure and 
I, I hate to be sort of um, conspiracy theorist about it, but pe- mm-hmm. people do this for a reason. People do this to right. sell us stuff. <laughs> right. And it, as do. much as I, I always try and think about who's behind this, you know, there, there are real people behind this, many of whom have families, many of whom have daughters who are worried about their own body image. And I, I just, it boggles my mind, really, that <laughs> there are people who put these images out there who struggle with the same things that, that I struggle with <laughs> and that your daughter's mm-hmm. struggle with um but we as a culture just keep perpetuating this image so it's it's something that we should try and change i don't think it's something that's going to change quickly and that's why we need to give our daughters the tools that they need to be able to survive if the culture assuming the culture continues along this vein and which very likely it will for some time right Mm -hmm. so When we think of tools, so I, yep. I've heard a few parent tools. I've heard um, to really focus on the messages that we're giving our kids and what we're validating and what we other messages we're trying to give about mm-hmm. their attributes. Question them about where they're hearing this. Why are they thinking this? Why is it important? Um, I also heard focus on function versus form. And then something to avoid is fat talk, which I, I, I that's a nice, simple way to put it because mm-hmm. it is so insidious. And, yeah. and, the, and, and the fat talk also comes as to make someone else feel better, but it's still fat talk. Oh, yeah. I'm worse than you. I'm, you know, um, and, uh, and the other thing that we're talking about, I think, is so, so important with um, what's going on with screens and marketing and technology is this idea of media literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, it's not enough, but to let our kids know there is a reason that they're getting the messages they're getting, and it's usually driven by something that people want you to think about yourself and then purchase. Yeah, yeah. And then the final thing that I would add to the, that toolkit is almost as much something for parents as something for, for children, but that's self-compassion. And so I did an episode a while back on self-esteem, and I figured I'd just kind of read the research saying why self-esteem is great and how we can help our children to get more of it. Uh, what I found was that there are no causal links between self-esteem and any other quality that we desire. <laughs> and it, re- huh. it relies so heavily on comparison with others, whereas self-compassion is so much more powerful. And I was really pleasantly surprised to get to the end of the book Beauty Sick and find that Dr. Engeln agreed with me. And so she came up with this approach by having women come into the lab and write letters to themselves from the perspective of an unconditionally compassionate friend. And so they, the women just wrote pages and pages of, you know, your, your body is so amazing. And they were grateful for it. They appreciated it. They, were, they felt kind towards it. And the women would ask at the end of the session, you know, can I bring this home? Can I take the letter home with me? And so if any of your listeners are tr- interested in trying an exercise like that for themselves, there are actually two prompts on how to uh, think about writing that letter. And they can find that at yourparentingmojo.com forward slash beauty. Awesome. Okay, Jen, it's time for the parent footprint moment question. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. <laughs> The parent footprint moment question. Please tell us about a time that you became aware of something about yourself as either an individual and or as a parent, and that new awareness had a positive impact on your child. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think it really came, and I can actually pinpoint it. It came at a moment when my daughter was about five months old, and I had really been fumbling my way through those first few months with with no idea. I hadn't discovered research and on child development yet. I'd been thinking a lot about discipline, which was a little early for a five month old. But you know, how do I raise a child? who does what I ask them to do without being the bad parent, the parent who always says no. And so I had a visit from a couple of friends. They had a two-year-old at the time. And the two-year-old went running down the hallway from our living room towards our bedroom. And the mother called after the two-year-old and said, Jack, please don't go into the bedroom. It's private. You can go into the nursery or come back to the living room. And so Jack stopped on the threshold of our bedroom, peeked in, and then came running back down to the living room. And I said, how did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) And so they told me to read a book, which is called Your Self-Confident Baby. And it's by a woman named Magda Gerber. And she found an approach to parenting called Resources for Infant Educarers, which sounds a little bit hokey, but she was a Hungarian immigrant. And I think she didn't have much access to branding experts. But the basic (laughs) idea is that you, if you have respect for a child, the child will have respect for you. And and the entire way of interacting with your child is based in respect. And so that really was an absolute mm-hmm. awakening for me. It became the start of a really incredible parenting and research journey. And that research has shifted my parenting in so many ways. And I'm so proud of the relationship that I have with my daughter that's based in love. But I believe mm-hmm. that love is not is necessary, but not sufficient. And exactly. so the respect really kind of uh, brings that to another level. Yes, that's a great story and a great moment that how did they do that? Yes. <laughs> and isn't it? And, and, and it's, it's so interesting. It almost seems for so many counterintuitive that if we let, if we have this connection with our kids, we don't have to control them. Right. If we have a positive connection and respect them as we want them to respect us, mm-hmm. this relationship can be collaborative even when they do their necessary pushing of limits because that's part of their job. Exactly. Jen, thanks for sharing your wisdom with us on the show. I mean, this is such an important topic, how we can raise our daughters to have a positive self-image in this day and age that we're living in. And it's uh, it's a day-to-day thing and one of these very important things for us to be mindful of as parents, um, as our kids get old and grow. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. Um, Jen has great, great stuff, which she has referenced some of on her site. Jen, please tell everyone again where they can find your podcast, your blogs, and all this great information. Yeah, you can find my podcast at yourparentingmojo.com. If you subscribe to the show on my site, then you also get newsletters every other week with brief updates on research that I'm reading and analyses of how it fits into the body of work that we've discussed on the show. And I also send out calls for questions. And every once in a while, I send out requests for uh, co-interviewers to really help me translate the parenting books and the expertise into practical information that parents can use. Thanks so much for having me, Dr. Dan. My pleasure. Let's do this again sometime. Thank you. Thank you for listening today, everyone. I hope you are inspired to be the person you want your child to become, to parent with purpose and intention. The key is awareness. You can live the life you want. You can show your children how to live the life they want. I'll leave you with the guiding question I always do. Think about what footprint you want to leave.